my message today is peace and unity. Peace and unity. Okay, we'll look in scriptures later, but I just want to take introduce something because as you look at world events, as you look at the TV, as you look at the news, whether it's CNN or BBC, you wonder what is happening in the world, yeah? So here it is. When you think of peace, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? The absence of war, the end of hostility, the end of riots. This is rampant in some parts of the world, yeah? You know what I'm talking about. How about this? A truce, when everything seems quiet, but just for a season. Or how, how about a husband and wife stop fighting with each other? That is peace for some. Yeah? Some are laughing. So, okay. I, okay. How about parents stop telling the kids to stop clean their room? I mean, the mothers stop telling. Because normally it's the mothers who are telling the kids, clean your room, clean. But when, when she stops, then it seems peace has come into the household. Yeah? Okay. How about this? Church members stop troubling the pastor at 2 o'clock in the morning. They call, trouble the pastor. Yeah? They stop. Maybe there's peace. Or, or in the workplace, God, please change my boss. There's no peace in the workplace. You know, it's a mess. I'm falling to pieces. Change the boss so I can have some peace. Yeah? People in the world don't find peace, they will pursue peace at all cost. They'll pursue it. And this is some, some of the ways the world pursues peace. They pursue peace in drugs. They think if I take some drugs, I get a high, then I'll have peace. Yeah, one of the ways. How about alcohol? Happy hour, one plus one free. Happy hour, after that comes the unhappy hour. But they think, that will bring me peace. Yeah? That's not all. How about shopping? You go on an extended shopping spree. If I shop some more, if I, then I'll have peace of, peace of mind. Then I'll be happy. Or how about exotic vacations? If I get a nice vacation, then I'll have peace. You go on vacation, you come back, and then you need another vacation. Yeah? And so the list can go on and on. When the Bible speaks of peace, it is something different altogether. The word shalom was used more than 200 times in the Bible. More than 200 times. Yeah. This is what Jonathan Kahn, he has to say in his, uh, in his book, uh, The Book of Mysteries. He gives a description of peace. So when a Jewish person would meet another person, they would always say shalom. Yeah, this is what it means. It means safety, rest, prosperity, wholeness, welfare, completion, fullness, soundness, even well-being. So you remember when Jesus rose from the dead, twice Jesus mentioned, mentioned to, to, to the disciples, peace be with you. Twice, peace be with you. So what does it mean then? This is what Jesus is saying. May you be blessed with safety. May you be blessed with rest, with prosperity, with wholeness, with completion, with well-being, and with peace. It means all the blessings to you. 
What a beautiful word. So now when somebody says, peace be to you, it's not just an absence of war. It's not just an absence, oh, stop fighting with your wife. No, it means well-being, safety, prosperity, rest, wholeness. That's what peace really means. And we want to look at, I have three points that I want to share with you. One is, the question is, how do we get the peace then? How do we get this peace? The first one is peace with God. When God created Adam and Eve, everything was good. And Adam and Eve had peace with God. But when they disobeyed God, sin entered the world. Sin brings spiritual death and separation. We're separated from a holy God. And uh, sin mars the very image of God in man. As a result, man ends up in hostility towards, towards God. Man ends up in hostility towards God. If you have your Bible, turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Let me paint the picture first and then see how peace comes, yeah? Because if I didn't give you the background, then how do I get this peace and why will it come? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. The word transgressions is rebellion. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh. So here in Ephesians it says that all of us, it's not just some, but all of us. And then it says we, by nature, by very nature, we were objects of wrath. Going back to Genesis, you don't need to turn there, it's, it's not on the, on, you, on the screen, but Genesis chapter 4, the first murder takes place. A few chapters after God created man, they had peace with God. Genesis 4, the first murder takes place. Cain kills his brother Abel. You wonder where does that came from? Where does it come from? Why did Cain kill his brother Abel? It was anger in his heart. Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God. Cain's was not. He was angry. He killed his brother. Two, ch two chapters later, Genesis 6, uh, verse 5 and 6, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. God destroyed the earth with a flood, but saved Noah and his family. Genesis future, chapters later, Genesis chapter 11, the people want to build a tower to make uh, their dwelling with God. God scatters them on the face of the earth. So you're right, you see man on a downward spiral moving further and further away from God. When God created man, and woman, he created them to have peace and to have a relationship with, with God. But as a result of, result of sin, sin separates, sin divides, and it creates a hostility within our heart. Unholy, we cannot come back into God's presence. So what is the solution? What is the solution then? It's God's great love for you and for me. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. 
Isaiah chapter 53. And here is such a precious scripture. Isaiah 53 verse 5. It says, But he, talking about Jesus, but he was pierced for our transgressions. That means our rebelliousness. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. That's a key verse. The punishment that brought us peace yeah, was upon him. The punishment that brought us peace. That's how we have peace. It comes from God. And by his wounds we are healed. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The punishment that brought us peace. God gives us peace. Why? By putting the punishment upon Jesus Christ. So he, when he died, when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin, our rebellion, uh, our pain, our sorrows, our shame. He took everything. The things that even we don't want to talk about. The shame of it. The sin. He's taken it on the cross. And therefore, we have peace. When coming to that, how do we have peace? Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified, the word justified means declared not guilty, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to reconcile sinners to God. The word reconcile means to bring back together again that which was separated. So that's what Jesus does. He came to bring back sinners, reconcile man to God. Now it's the church's responsibility to bring people into a right relationship with God. So we now point people to Jesus because he has paid the price. Yeah? And that's how a man or woman can come into a right relationship with God. So before I go any further, why don't we close eyes? I want to give you the, the opportunity today. Yeah? I want to give you that opportunity to trust Christ. You might be searching for meaning, for a purpose. You know, deep down in your heart, there's an emptiness, there's a void. You've been, you know, filling your life with all sorts of things that do not satisfy. Today, I invite you to trust Christ. Yeah? If, if, if it's you, you're saying, I'm searching. I want to have peace with God. I want to give my life to Christ. You just raise your hand quickly. You raise your hand. We'd love to pray with you. Anybody here? You're searching for meaning, for purpose of life. And you say, I want that peace. I want to make peace with God. If there's anybody here, you raise your hand. And I would love to pray with you. Anybody? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you just pray this prayer in your heart. If that's you, you just pray this prayer in your heart. You say, Father, I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me. He took my sin. I thank you that, that he, he died, he was buried, he rose again, that I might be justified. I give my life to you, Jesus. I'm now a child of, of God. That that's, is a miracle. If you've prayed that prayer, yeah, then that's a miracle in your life. That's the greatest miracle. Yeah, it's the miracle of salvation. Now, you know in your heart, deep in your heart, that now you have, you can open your eyes now. 
You know in your heart that you have peace with God. You have peace with God. As a result of having peace with God, we have peace with one another. We can live in, with one another in harmony, in community. Yeah, and, and that's why in the church, you'll see people from different countries, different nationalities, speaking different languages, but yet we can live together. We can fellowship together. We can eat a meal together. Why? Because we have peace with God and we have peace with one another. Paul, Paul encourages us. He says, as far as possible, live at peace with one another. And Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Are you a peacemaker? Do you seek peace all the time? Do you time to reconcile people? I would encourage you, be a peacemaker. Which leads me to my, my second point. Personal peace. Yeah? I, I'm sure many must be saying, Harold, preach it. I need peace. Preach it. So, what is it that, that so many Christians do not have peace? I'm, now I'm talking to Christians. Yeah? Now I'm mainly addressing Christians. Why is it that so many Christians do not have peace? You talk to somebody for 10 minutes, not more than 10, 10 minutes, and you'll know if they are at peace or they are falling to pieces. Trust me on this. 10 minutes, just let, talk, let them talk, and you'll find out sooner or later what's happening within the heart. You, you'll know that. So why is it? Why is it that so many people don't have peace? Jesus promised peace in John 14 verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace, it's Jesus' peace. He says, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be, af be afraid. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you that peace. It's, it's a gift. He says, I'm leaving the, my peace with you. I give you my peace. He says, I don't give like the world gives. I mentioned how the world gives peace through drugs, alcohol, all the different things. It, it doesn't give peace. But Jesus said, I'm giving you the peace. He says, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So what is this peace? It's the same peace that Jesus had when he was in the, in the boat and the storm hit. Jesus was asleep in the boat when the storm hit. The disciples said, wake up, master, master, we're going to drown. Wake up. Jesus got up, rebuked the winds and the waves and said, where is your faith? It's, it's the peace of God. Acts chapter 27 verse, uh, in Acts 27, Paul sailing, sailing to Rome. Paul told the centurion, do not set sail. But he wanted to sail. They wanted to reach Rome before the winter. And they set sail. But a storm hit the ship. And for 14 days, they could hardly see the sun. They, they feared for their life. And, and then they, they threw the goods overboard. Point came when they actually wanted to kill the prisoners as well. But Paul, Paul stood and told the centurion, he says... He said, Paul said, do not, do not, uh, you know, abandon the ship, he says, because he says, an angel appeared to me and spoke to me and said, no life will be lost except the ship 
and all the, all the supplies. Otherwise, nothing will be lost. Paul said, I have faith that, that it will happen just as the angel told me. He had peace for 14 days. The soldiers, the sailors, they didn't have peace. There was so much of turmoil. They didn't eat. But Paul had so much of peace. It's God's peace. Why? He knew God was in control. So how does this peace come? It comes in two ways. One, peace comes when we are devoted to the will of God. When we are devoted to the will or the purposes of God. Remember Jesus, when he said, the peace I leave with you, he spoke that before he could go to the cross. Yeah, that's the time he said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And he knew he was going to the cross a few days later. How did he have the peace? He knew God was in absolute control of every situation of life. Yeah? And as you do the will of God, as you serve the purpose of God, as you read God's word and you obey his word, and you do what the word says, you will have that peace. Because you will know God is in absolute control of every situation of your life and my life. The good and the bad and the ugly as well. Yeah? Secondly, it comes when we have confidence in God. When we have confidence in God. God, like I said, God is in absolute control of every situation in life. When things are good, we can be happy. We sing praises to God. We are happy. But when things are not so good, when things are difficult, what do we do then? Do we think God is not in control? I think many, many, many believe that, that God is not in control when, you know, things are going against them. And that time they, they lose their peace. Now, we got to come to a place knowing that God is in absolute control. Romans 8 verse 28, it says, you know, and we know that in all things God works for the good to them that love God. We know it. And in the life of Joseph, he went through ups and downs. It was a downward spiral from the time he gave that, the word, you know, that well, the sun, moon, uh, bowing down. He, it was a downward spiral to, until he ended up in the dungeon. But as he looked back on his life, when he came, uh, you know, came, came into power in Egypt and number two to Pharaoh, as he looked back when he met his brothers, he's, he knew the hand of God was upon his life all across. We need to come to a place where we know God's hand is upon us. Most of our, here's the problem. Most of the time, our focus is on the problem rather than God. We focus too much on the problem and not on God. And that's why we lose our peace. But if we can just shift focus to God, say, God, you're in control. You're in absolute control of my situation. And I trust you. And not only that, I will do right in my circumstances. Don't expect to do wrong and then expect God to bless. No, you do what is right, even if you're going through difficulty and you see how God will come through. When you trust God, God's peace protects you. When you trust God, God's peace protects you. This is what Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says. Do not be anxious about anything. Yeah? But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 
What a beautiful promise. What a beautiful promise. Do not be anxious about anything, God says. But in every situation, you know, it says, it says through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, you know, will guard, it's God's peace that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And there's a beautiful promise in Isaiah 26, verse 3. I think every Christian should memorize and know this promise uh, by, by heart. Isaiah 26, 23, uh, verse 3. If you're taking notes, you can note it down. It says, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for he is trusting in you. I'll read that again. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. And 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, it says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. So it's God's desire to give you peace. So one is we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's one. God has done that part. The other, the other how do we have the personal peace? God's desire that we have peace. Yeah, I said devotion to the purpose of God and absolute confidence in God, which leads me to my uh, last point. Unity. Unity in, in, in the church. Turn with me to Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 5 and 6. Romans 15, verse 5 and 6. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With one mind, one voice, glorify God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about unity. Unity is not conformity. Yeah, some people think, well, unity means conformity. Everyone wear the same color, same clothes. That's unity. That's not unity. That's conformity. Some people think we have to agree with everyone on every little thing. We have to agree. Some people think, and they say, that's unity. Well, that's not unity uh, as well. Jesus prayed for unity before Jesus' departure. John chapter 17, he prayed for the unity of believers. He prayed for the unity of church. He knew it was such a key component, a key, such a key foundation in the, in the church. And he prayed for unity. The early church, they had their fair share of disunity. They did. There was disunity. There was neglect of the widows. There was grumbling uh, uh, in, in Acts chapter 6. Yeah, until the, the apostles came and they brought a solution. They said, we will not neglect the word of God and prayer. But you do it because it, it, it would assume, we would assume that they were doing it. The, the, the apostles were, were doing the work and providing for the widows. But now, and then the grumbling started. But now, then they appointed deacons, so others to serve. They said, we will give ourselves to the word and, and to prayer. prayer. Yeah? So what the key question is, what produces unity in the church? What produces unity in the church? Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse... verse uh, reading from verse 40, 42 onwards. It says, Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's one of the key phrases. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, gave to anyone who need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers those that were being saved. You see what brought about unity? As they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, as you devote yourselves to the word of God, the word of God will come and shape your mind, shape your thinking. And then you're able to produce that unity in the church. It's the word of God that produces uh, unity. Yeah? Unity has to do with attitude. It's one voice, one mind they were praising God. As you give, we're not, we're not, unity is not hung up on little, little things. Because the Bible doesn't speak about many things. It doesn't say what to wear. It doesn't say what movie to watch. Though we should be wise in what we watch. Yes, we should apply wisdom. The, the Bible doesn't say how much to spend, how much not to spend. We need to apply wisdom. So we, we, we can't be disunited on picking on little, little things. That's what. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Unity is to accept one another. Accept the weaker brother. Can we accept the weaker sister? And help them to mature and grow in the things of God. Because one will be stronger. You've been many years in the Lord. You will be stronger in your faith. Yeah, but then we need to accept the one who's weak in the faith. And that's how, as we accept one another, we produce unity in the church. And as, as, as there's unity, I do believe, as the Bible says in Acts, Acts uh, 2, it says God added to their numbers. You know, when, when there's unity in church, God just blesses. God, in fact, he commands a blessing. And may 2020 be that for City Hill. I'm, I'm going to end now. Can, you, can, can I call the worship team? Just one more uh, verse on unity and then, then I'll end. But the worship can come back. Philippians 2. Philippians, if you're there, uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verse, verses 3 onwards. When I talk about unity, I said, what produces unity? It's the word of God. But unity has a lot to do with the mind. That's what it has to do. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 uh, to, to 7. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in human humility, value others better than yourselves. So in other words, God said, think of others. Think of others all the time. Consider them better than yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In other words, be concerned about, about others. Yeah? In your relationship with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in, in human likeness. That's what unity, it all has to do with the mind. Yeah, we have the right attitude, we will produce unity in the church. Can we stand? I do believe, you know, after we worship, Fuzi mentioned that we will have a time of ministry. I do believe that, you know, God wants to minister to people here in the church. As, yeah, in areas that Fuzi mentioned, but also especially in peace, the personal peace. 
where you feel you don't have peace, all the time disturbed in your spirit, you don't have the peace. We'd love to pray for you and, you know, and see that the peace of God comes and changes and shapes your life. That you'll, you will be, you know, one who will be, like what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah? Mm -hmm.